Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. In each episode, we cover the White House, Congress, national headlines, international headlines, climate change, and some side story that doesn't quite fit in any of those categories. As always, a link to all my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. Fair warning, this segment acknowledges sex and industries related to it. This week, Trump signed a congressional bill called SESTA into law. The bill's stated intention is to cut down on sex trafficking by making it easier to prosecute websites that host content used to promote or facilitate prostitution. Presumably, the logic is that by criminalizing the hosting of such content and making it easier to prosecute websites that do so, the sex trafficking industry will lose its safe spaces to operate and therefore its ubiquity will dwindle. And indeed, in the weeks leading up to Trump signing this bill, dozens of websites fearing prosecution have been shutting down all or parts of their their services related to adult content. Some simply don't have the resources to fight a legal battle against an attorney general. Others would just rather avoid the perceived negative publicity. The bill soared through Congress with overwhelming bipartisan support. So we can call that a success, right? Here's the problem. The law assumes that with the removal of these spaces on the internet, prostitution itself will also start to vanish. This is already a logical fallacy, as it assumes the internet is the cause of prostitution. Additionally, the spaces being removed are often used by sex workers to share information within the community that is critical to their physical safety, such as screening for potential clients, so-called bad date databases that list clients known to be dangerous, thousands of pages of discussion and advice for how to operate in the industry safely and what red flags to watch for. These harm reduction tools are crucial for protecting the very people SESTA is claiming to want to help. A 2017 study from Baylor University and West Virginia University found that the advent of the Craigslist erotic services section, which allowed sex workers to screen potential clients through an email interaction before meeting in person, resulted in an astounding 17.4% drop in the female homicide rate, as well as a drop in rape offenses. The conclusion drawn from the study was that these reductions were a direct result of sex workers, quote, moving indoors and matching more efficiently with safer clients. While the erotic services section of Craigslist shut down in 2010 in response to protests, the personal section remained up and was used in a similar fashion. Recently, however, as a result of SESTA's imminent passage, Craigslist shut down the personal section as well. Given the sheer quantity and speed of websites shutting their doors in response to SESTA, the effects are likely to be immediate. Sex workers will soon be left with no choice but to take to the streets, with no screening methods, no barrier between themselves and potentially dangerous clients, no protection or recourse against potentially abusive policing, and little to no community resources or support for learning how to work safely. If we want to pass a bill that helps sex workers and survivors of forced or coerced prostitution, we should write legislation that offers housing, job assistance, and services that support victims and protect against violence in sex work. Scrubbing the internet of any visible traces does not address a problem. It creates new problems for those already most vulnerable. Congress. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan announced on Wednesday that he will not seek re-election in November. He becomes perhaps the most notable Republican member of Congress to announce their retirement, joining over 40 others, including big names like Orrin Hatch, Jeff Flake, and Bob Corker. Question marks also surround Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who rumor has it is considering retirement, as well as former presidential candidate John McCain, who last year was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. 
This exodus represents an imminent void in high-profile Republican leadership outside of the White House, and even the casual follower of politics can intuit that Trump's particular brand of GOP leadership has a tendency to be divisive. On the heels of Ryan's announcement came another news story about a former Speaker of the House, John Boehner. Nine years ago, Boehner's unequivocal stance on marijuana was staunch opposition to legalization. However, this week, he joined the advisory board of Acreage Holdings, a company that grows, processes, and dispenses marijuana in multiple states. When asked about his change of heart, Boehner cited that public opinion on marijuana has changed drastically over the past decade, and he counts himself among the people whose opinion has evolved in looking at the scientific evidence. He's not wrong. Recent polls have 64% of Americans favoring legalization, the highest percentage since the poll was first conducted in 1969, when only 12% of Americans favored legalization. National Headlines Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg testified before Congress on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Given that the reason he was called in was to address the data breach we discussed last week by Cambridge Analytica, it was surprising how unfocused the questions seemed to be from the Senate on Tuesday. There were a few directly related to the breach, and a few more related to privacy at large, but the lines of inquiry ranged all over, including Russian meddling in the 2016 election, to hate speech, and as often as not, it seemed the senators posing questions did not understand how Facebook works. How do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. I see. So how many data categories do you store? Does Facebook store on the categories that you collect? Senator, can you clarify what you mean by data well, there's, categories? Well, there's some past reports that have been out there that indicate that, it, that Facebook collects about 96 data categories. How many do you, does Facebook store out of that? Do you store any? Senator, I'm not actually sure what that is referring to. Are, are you willing to uh, go back and, and, and work on, on giving me a greater right to erase my data? Senator, you can already delete any of the data that's there. Are, are you willing to give me the right to take my data on Facebook and move it to another social media platform? Senator, you can already do that. The House hearing on Wednesday dove a little deeper, staying more focused on grilling Zuckerberg about the ways and extent to which Facebook tracks its users. While the questioning seemed more on point, Zuckerberg's answers tended to be predictably vague. So perhaps more important than the spectacle of Zuckerberg's testimony is what could be next in the battle for user privacy? After some quick research, it looks like the next steps from Congress will likely be a hefty fine, hefty even by tech giant standards, significant regulations about advertisement transparency, and further down the line, some potentially landmark legislation protecting privacy. Such legislation could have significant repercussions outside of this particular issue, given the long-standing argument that privacy is not a right granted by the Constitution, used to justify information-gathering practices by organizations like the NSA and the CIA. International Headlines on April 7th, the Syrian government launched a chemical weapon attack on its own people in an attempt to force rebel forces out of the city of Doma. More than 45 people died in the attack. This is approximately the 73rd time Syrian President Bashar al-Assad has reportedly used chemical weapons against rebels and civilians since the start of the Syrian civil war. The US and its allies in Europe appear to be mounting up for a military response, though what specifically that entails is still unclear. Russia, allied with the Assad regime, 
team, has stated that they found no evidence of a chemical attack, and that if it did happen, it was likely the work of rebels to provoke military intervention from the US and Europe. In either case, it appears that military intervention is imminent, and it could quickly spiral. Trump has promised a US missile attack, and Russia has promised not only to shoot down any such missiles, but also to target the sites from which they were launched, which would almost inevitably lead to a long-speculated and feared military confrontation between the two superpowers. Climate Watch. Last November, the Keystone Pipeline leaked an estimated 210,000 gallons of oil into the soil of South Dakota. This week, it was discovered that that estimate was off. The number is actually almost double that, at roughly 407,000 gallons. Reading an article about that spill made me curious about spills in general, so I did a bit of research. It turns out there were six significant oil spills last year worldwide, four of them happening in the United States, amounting to roughly 4,600 metric tons of leaked oil. And here's the real kicker of the research I did. Remember in 2004 when Hurricane Ivan caused a leak in a pipeline running through the Gulf of Mexico? You probably recall the footage on the news of the giant flaming geyser in the middle of the ocean. Did you know that they still haven't fully fixed that leak? This very day, and every day, almost 14 years later, it will leak another 13 gallons into the Gulf of Mexico. Anyhow, I don't have a specific overriding point to make on this week's segment. I just thought that was info you might want to know. Side story. You know those little stickers on the back of some electronic devices that say something to the tune of warranty void if seal is damaged? Well, the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, reiterated something this week that I didn't actually know, which is that those stickers are not only incorrect, they're illegal. In other words, it's a total ploy to get your money. The FTC sent letters to six major companies warning them to stop using these stickers, though the names of the companies were not announced. The FTC also did not announce what would happen to the companies if they continue to use the stickers, which probably means that you and I are destined to be misled for the foreseeable future. All the same, if you're trying to fix your busted Xbox using a YouTube tutorial, or you want to take your iPhone to the local repair shop, just know that you are perfectly within your rights, and the seal claiming otherwise is totally lying to you. I, for one, am shocked, shocked, to find that giant corporations are not being honest. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining subscriber. You get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor. Rewards start at just $1 a month and range from a personalized thank you on air and a uh, thank you placard on the website and go all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in focus episode on the topic of your choice for higher donations. So if you get your tax return this year and you find that you've got even just 12 extra dollars, that's a dollar per month, consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash dylanwall. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post breaking news and interesting articles so that you can stay informed between episodes. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or know how to fix a busted Xbox, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. Also, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I've started posting animated excerpts from the podcast. They're super fun and they're just like a minute long, so you can find all that stuff on my website at dylanwall.com. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then. <laughs>